Welcome to the Sports Talks Podcast with Dr. Ashley Bassett and Dr. Catherine Logan. On each episode, we chat about the most recent developments in sports medicine and dissect through all the noise so you know which literature should actually impact your practice. Today, we're coming to you again live from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons annual meeting in Las Vegas, our largest orthopedic conference. If you haven't listened to our previous mini episodes, what are you waiting for? Go check out our first mini episode to hear all about AOS meeting and our special guest, Dr. Brian Waterman. But today, we're going to dive right in. Thank you to our new sponsor, Exer. Exer Health is a motion AI software platform that runs on any device with a camera. Their tech can automatically detect physical biomarkers without sensors or extra hardware, which are then used to accurately measure gait metrics, range of motion, and other mobility metrics on a patient when they are at home. Ashley, you and I visited Exer recently at AOS. I've been using Exer with my patients since 2022 and have been really impressed. I can track my patients' range of motion following surgery. It's been super helpful to ensure they're on track and meeting their early range of motion goals. I think that's great and a perfect way to stay connected and watch progress when patients are in between follow-up visits. I was also super impressed by their gait analytics. I think it will be a great tool for physical therapists and physicians. We encourage you to check out Exer by visiting www.exer.ai. You can also find links and code information on our Instagram page. Our fourth poster is titled, Older Adults Take Longer to Achieve the Patient-Acceptable Symptom State Following Primary Hip Arthroscopy for Femoral Acetabular Impingement, a retrospective analysis with two-year follow-up. Thomas Hume and team conducted a retrospective review of patients who underwent hip arthroscopy for FAI and had at least a two-year follow-up. The authors found that patients in the oldest cohort between 50 and 75 years of age had significantly longer time to pass than those in the youngest group, even after adjusting for sex and BMI. So obviously we are limited somewhat by only having the abstract, but my thoughts initially went to the possibility of cartilage disease uh, in this patient population just based on age alone and that impacting recovery timeline. So Brian, what are your thoughts? Do you see this recovery trend in your patient population at this age, regardless of the status of cartilage? Do you think there are other factors contributing to this finding? Well, I think some of it's a little sarcopenia and, you know, age-related recovery. We see that in our ACLs and lower extremity surgery, I think, across the board. I know Tom does a fantastic hip scope, and he does pretty much the same thing for all individuals. I would imagine, and Mark Philippon's uh, study uh, data has suggested that, that there's a higher preponderance of cartilage, particularly full thickness cartilage defects, uh, loose bodies, maybe less qualitative labrum tissue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are all, I think, potential confounding variables that maybe weren't controlled for. But um, I think what this gets to is, again, that concept of preoperative counseling, that you can stratify older patients, whatever threshold you want to establish that at, and say you will get measurably better, but it may take longer than the youngest subset. And I think in general they're going to say, yeah, of course, I know that. Yeah, yeah. But it's important to, to, I think, reinforce that. Do you do um, intraarticular cortisone injections for FAI before you'll take them for surgery? So I don't do hip arthroscopy. Thankfully, I've got a colleague of mine, Al Stubbs, who does 100% hip. I have another partner, Megan Wolf, that does a Uh, portion of her practice. So uh, thankfully, I'm just part of the the triage pool, so to speak. But yes, we will. 
Brian, you published a paper in ADSM in January of 2019 looking at the outcomes after hip arthroscopy and found that patients with increased duration of symptoms, so greater than two years, had significantly worse pain and functional outcomes at two years compared to those with shorter-term symptoms. We did a study with Shane No to look at chronicity of symptoms, and um, uh, I think that there's a, a true opportunity cost there. So early treatment, I think, is more effective. She'll try some non-operative treatment, but not delaying it beyond two years. Try exactly. to get them in and be treated. Got it. So, Catherine, what are your thoughts on this? What What's your takeaway from this poster? I do think, you know, I would say there's two things. One, I haven't really been exposed. Um, so we all know I don't do hip scopes um, or hip arthroscopy. Um, but even previously in my training um, in Valor in Boston, I hadn't really been exposed to hip arthroscopy really over 40, maybe early 40s. So I guess I'm not surprised um, that older um, groups, so that 50 to 75, um, had a longer time um, to recover than those at the youngest group, um, even when they're adjusting for sex and BMI. So that I would say um, is not surprising. I think that is something that we have a good understanding of. I think a good um, takeaway is really looking at the symptom duration. So I think Brian's paper is actually really important because I do think the duration of symptoms has a big impact. So we know not just with hip arthroscopy, but with other diagnoses, the longer we have a problem, so whether it's a rotator cuff tear that you know we watch for a long time or um, a meniscal tear, whatever it might be, it's going to um, lead to compensatory patterns. We're going to start to get dysfunction and mobility um, in our muscle activation patterns. All these things are going to be additive. So I do think when someone's had symptoms for a long period of time, you know, two things are going to happen. It's going to, whether you go the surgical route or you go the non-surgical route, the recovery is still going to be longer. So I think that speaks to addressing things on the earlier side, being a good patient advocate, you know, making sure you're spending time doing the counseling, um, but that the longer these symptoms go on, more than likely the um, there's going to be cumulative dysfunction, whether it's like muscle Uh, mobility or muscle activation or strength, all these things are going to start to build upon each other and make it harder to recover one way or another. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you put it perfectly. It's all about counseling, I think, and telling people the risks and benefits of continuing with non-op treatment that has risks or proceeding with surgery that has risks, specifically a very long recovery timeline for people in this age group. So I think you put it perfectly. Thank you for listening to this mini episode of the Sports Talks. We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. On the next mini episode, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Brian Waterman and shift our focus to the use of prophylactic knee braces in the NFL. Do they really decrease the risk of major knee injury? Tune in to find out. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all things sports medicine. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review. You can also reach us by email at thesportstalkspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thesportstalkspod. We love your feedback.